I'm standing on Dublin's Pier Street, where the evening traffic is still in full flow. On a door behind me is a weathered sign, announcing Trinity Arts Workshop, Life Drawing, 7 to 9 p.m. Through the door, a group of people sit, waiting for a model to undress. They range in ages and occupations, but they are all in this small, noisy room to study and sketch the naked human form. There is no teacher, no instructions are given. The model disrobes in front of a heater and strikes her first pose. Sketch pads are opened, easels are adjusted, and not a word is spoken as pencils begin to scratch and shade. It's like a your art class in when you went to secondary school, basically, with curtains over the windows and cars flying by and phones beeping and people coming in out of the toilet and people grunting and groaning and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's quite exciting sometimes, you know. The classroom, uh, when you go in, is... is It's kind of like an old shop front as uh, you go in off, off Pier Street and uh, it's kind of a long, rectangular room. The light is pretty... You know, like a classroom kind of light. Um, chairs and tables all over the place. Puppet things on the wall. Um, just it's really messy, kind of rectangular room. Which you know, if you're not in first, you won't get your seat. And you'd be, as last week, I was standing behind it, about four or five people, and and couldn't see the model, and uh, it was pretty bad. And you had to, some people were standing up. And uh, it was just impossible kind of to draw and holding one, holding the pad in one, one hand and then the pencil in the other, and it's just impossible. The noise level is sometimes it's not too bad. It's you know shuffling paper, uh, chairs kind of screeching off the floor, cars flying by. It's real damp kind of, you know, double glazing, few cars and trucks, buses going by, and there's a phone that just beeps constantly. Uh, that would drive you mental. When I work in my studio, I'd kind of have music blaring, music that I like, you know, and that kind of gives me a buzz, you know, when I'm drawing or painting, like, and, you know, it, that gives you total different, different kind of atmosphere, but when you're in drawing and you have a constant just beeping of a phone, that it gets very irritating. Yeah, well, it, it tends to be... Um a lot of shuffling going on and people coming in late and then there's an answering machine going on and off and it's, I, I find it very distracting at times, you know, when you're trying to concentrate. And then it's just the sound of the pencil hitting the paper, the way different people draw. Um, some people draw fast, others are kind of, you know, more precious about the drawing. But I think one of the things you learn as you as you begin to advance is to, be, to not be precious about it because that kind of leads to a dead drawing or a very sort of syrupy image. It's all about looseness and letting go and not worrying about it too much, but being accurate at the same time. Some 30 seconds, then one minutes, and then so on until about 10 or 15 minutes after the break. 
I don't know whether it's the same for guys, but certainly a lot of women think that people judge their bodies because we ourselves look very critically at our bodies and when we see our bodies in the mirror, we don't look at ourselves as a whole, we zone in the parts we don't like. So a lot of us are timid about going, being naked because we think people are going to judge us, but in the left wing class that doesn't happen. It's a very different environment, people, you know, it doesn't matter how not normal your body shape is, in fact that's an advantage because it's a challenge, because everybody's body is different. Well, here I've been coming for three or four years, but I began doing art when I was in my twenties, which is a couple of centuries ago. I moved on to other things and then I came back to it. And here in Trinity College, in the Trinity College Art Workshop, we have some very good models. And of course, having a group together, we can share a model, whereas most of us couldn't afford to have a model, to have an individual model at home. They're very expensive individually. I've been modelling here since about November. Before then, I was modelling once a week for a group of friends. We would take turns. It was a drawing circle. So one of us would take turn modelling, the others would draw. And we were doing that once a week for about a year. And before that, in my final year in college, I graduated in 96, I was modelling in the evening classes there. I thought I would feel really different, like being naked in front of people, but I wasn't, I felt exactly the same. And I would talk to people, and because everybody expects you to be naked, they're not staring or looking, you know. It's just that, right, you're there, you're naked. And the shock is over like that. After that, you're just talking, okay, what do you want to do now? And there is no issue, you know. At least so far, I haven't had a bad experience, thanks be to God. I come from Italy, I'm from the north of Italy, and uh, I'm here since one year. I came to know they were looking for modeling uh, for a friend, and I've been doing it for a short while for a painter in Italy, and then I've been doing a lot of mime on the street, and I've been practicing statue. That you have really to stay mobile for like one or two hours. You have to know a lot of your body. You really have to be aware of every single part of your body. And to do that, you do a lot of, or what I do is uh, a lot of yoga exercise, especially on breathing. And I prepare my classes having a hot bath when it's, uh, and putting some eucalypto oil because it relaxes the muscles. And basically, I start from a neutral position and I stand for 10 minutes so I can like give a warm-up to myself. And I do an average of seven minutes for each pose. And then uh, to, uh, to the end of the class, I'll do two of a quarter of an hour, 20 minutes. And usually one is sitting and one is standing, but having a... Uh, having a tool or something where I can balance my equilibrium. It's very tiring that at the end of the class you are really tired. Why am I an old man stuck in here doing figure drawing when I was doing figure drawing? 40 years ago. The reason is because you don't ever learn art, you practice art. So that's why I and some other old men are to be found in here and, if I dare say, 
older ladies that will be found in here. We are practicing art. It's all about seeing. And seeing is the most important thing people can do. The majority of people do not, do not see. They cannot see. Now, of course, that offends people to tell them they don't see. But the only people who draw really see. People go around reading signs, and reading signs is not seeing. Um, I once made a watercolour of a corner in a village where I live, Lucan, and uh, I left out the traffic lights because they were spoiling the view. And when I gifted the painting, people didn't recognise the place because they were only used to seeing it where the traffic lights. They weren't used to seeing the buildings that were behind the traffic lights. And they simply didn't recognise it. Um, and that, that's, that's what happens. People do not see. They believe they see and they don't see. And so people who are here are doing the most, more important things here than that doing anywhere else in Dublin City. They are learning to see. Um, it doesn't matter whether we have a plate of plums or a, a human figure. We are learning to see. Well, people who either want to improve their drawing or keep up a certain standard of drawing will want to draw from life because it's, ah, because it's challenging, because it as a discipline forces you to look at all sorts of different problems within drawing, such as proportion, which if you're drawing, say, a landscape or a tree, you could get the proportions completely wonky and nobody would know. Whereas if the human figure, if anything's been slightly out, if the head is slightly too big, you know immediately. So if you want to improve your drawing, it's like if you're a musician, to actually sit down and give a performance. It's that kind of thing. You have two minutes, you have to come up with a finished piece of work. It forces you to really concentrate and work, focusing in on all these different problems at once. Proportion, scale, how things fit into the page, movement, expression, uh, light and tone, um, so it's a very, very strict discipline. So people who come here are people who have started life drawing and need to do more, or are students in college who, for various reasons, don't have life models to actually work from. So they would come and go to extra classes. So they would come in, they would have ideas in their heads. Okay, I'm going to sit down, and simply by forcing yourself to do life drawing for an hour or so, when you go back to do your regular art, it will have improved tenfold because you have really, really worked and forced your mind to really look at something and capture it within a certain time frame. I'm a full-time artist and uh, I exhibit paintings in the Ocean Gallery. I basically come into life drawing classes uh, to, to keep my eye sharp because when I'm in the studio painting, sometimes paintings take like a month or so, so uh, your eye gets lazy and you're not sketching, so basically go in on Tuesdays and, and, and sketch from, from life which it benefits my work when I come back down to start sketching for another painting. If you can draw from life, basically you can draw kind of anything, like I think. I think the, the, the male or female figure is probably one of the hardest uh, things to draw because it's just it's a, it's a moving figure and it's the muscles and everything, tones just change. Like if you have a still life there, it's just not going to move, it just stays there and you can, you can just keep on going back to it. And, never change, like, you know, unless if it's fruit or something starts rotten. I'm a figurative sculptor working out in Bray. I think the, the life drawing is very important um, 
for the sculpture and I think it's good to continuously uh, do it and study it as well because it's developing the speed of your eye uh, essentially um, you're dealing with an object like a human body which isn't static it's not like a photograph it's moving and it's shifting weight so it's speeding you know the kind of process of you looking at a thing up you just become more aware of things you're able to sense character in a person or a thing easier by constantly observing it rather than kind of static images because life modeling or painting figures as I see it it's not just about copying an image off a painting it's about a sort of an entire type of thing where you're dealing with the personality of the model as well as just the proportion and the tone and the paint and the, the clay if you want to do anything be it design be it film directing be it painting it's it's probably the most fundamental basis for any form art i mean if you're directing films you're composing pictures they're just in a different it's a different medium but you're still doing it so if your eyes developed you can compose that picture better than if it's not The reason why I paint people is because I just find them more interesting to, to, to paint. And like I would do still lives and other landscapes and other other stuff, but I just find just uh, as you look at an old man or a woman, uh, just a lot more going on when you look at somebody's face, and uh, you kind of kind of think what kind of life they had, and you know, uh, did they have a hard life? Are they having a good life? Are they in relationships? And you know, they're going through the breakups and stuff like that. So it's it's. Figures, you know, they're more interesting to me anyway. I've completed one big commission for uh, the... Um, he's not an archbishop anymore, he's the um, Cardinal uh, O'Connell. That's for the Pro Cathedral. Uh, the outside, it's two, um, two life-size martyrs, uh, Francis Taylor and Margaret Ball, and they're both imprisoned because of their Catholic faith. So it's a memorial to the two of them, and it's in bronze. It was a, a good commission to start off with. The first fall, you had to hire costumes. So I had to research all of that and get the costumes of the year. They were in the 15th, 16th century. And then I got two models, actually my parents, and uh, mod like took photographs of them in the costume and then took a load of measurements. I mean, ideally, I'd like to model it direct, you know, but time and cost, it'd be impossible. So I just modeled it you know, from photographs and them standing in the costumes the odd time, but it was a lot of work. I need to find out from everyone uh, what length of poses you want. a good model is what you're thinking about. I mean, a lot of people I know from various models I drew in college as well think that all you need to do is take your clothes off and that's it. When I think about what makes a good model, I think of somebody with imagination who can think and imagine different poses or poses that might be interesting to draw, also to vary poses so that it's not always the same thing so that you get back views, you get views with lots of movement, lots of tension, and then also just a huge variety of poses that makes the artist make an effort and draw and challenges them. 
the models that we have in here, the female model is, is a, she, I think she's a brilliant model. Some of the poses that she uses would be kind of stuff that you would see in, you know, like some like Picasso's work or uh, when she's sitting down, she has her back bent, she's kind of bending over and her legs are kind of crossed and she kind of bends her arms and her her legs and, t and twists her back like and makes it more interesting, you know? Because if you've got a good pose, you're going to get a good sketch. For me, a good model is uh, a person with good bone structure. Um, it's a person with reasonably good height, a low kind of percentage of body fat, because then you can actually see what's going on. You get some models that are a bit sort of, well, unfit, although they can be interesting to draw as well, but an athletic physique would, is a good model in my eyes. Um, I'd say the best models in a female sense would be probably dancers because they're quite toned. They're just I ideals you start from, and once you kind of begin to understand that, then you can begin to draw other body types. What makes a good model is, you see, it's difficult to know. Um, a creative model is one that's always going to give you new poses, or is enjoying new poses. A, a lazy model repeats the same pose week after week and doesn't uh, try to uh, improve the model. We have had lazy models here. We had a lady, a lady here one time who laid on and simply twirled around every, every time for a change. She never actually stood up once. But she was here for a few weeks. And then I suppose she got too tired to get out of bed to come here. <laughs> but uh, the, we have some Basque men here now, and they're very good. Uh, this particular man we have here now, is, he's about six foot high. A very tall man. Tallest model we've ever had. Uh, and um, he, he's, he's, um, he's very good at, at giving us good poses. But we've had models of all ages, you know. They, 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 all, um, they all are good for a while. Then you get tired of them. I was modelling for one artist for three days in a row. And it was a very comfortable pose, which I specifically took so that you know, even though I had an arm up, it was supported by a table or whatever. And initially I needed to break only once an hour, and then I needed to break once every half hour, because your body gets more tired, even if it's the same pose over a long period. And I discovered that I had a two and a half day limit, and I meditate regularly. So I had actually reached that kind of boredom level before in meditation, but nothing like this. I went... After two and a half days, I went stir-crazy. I had to move, I had to get up. My mind was going absolutely bananas. I'd no I had nothing left to think about. I, I couldn't amuse myself anymore, if you like, in my imagination. I was too tired to actually meditate and focus on the breath and just concentrate. Um, but I kept with the pose, and that was very interesting because I had been taught before by different people talking about meditation, about that place that you reach in meditation where you have to go beyond, where you get this crazy elephant mind and you know you get stir-crazy in that. Um, so I knew that it would pass, and it did. But yeah, I got bored. I got really bored.
across the street from Trinity Art Workshop, there's the house of Patrick Pierce, of the Pierce family. The father was an Englishman, and uh, he earned his living doing monumental sculptures. Some of his work can be seen in the Carmelite Church in Clarendon Street, less than a quarter of a mile away from us. Um, but he also was a, an artist, and uh, a remarkable document I read was uh, the first chapters of an autobiography which um, Padraig Pierce began, in which he told of his childhood in that house across the road. Um, one evening each week, Mr. Pierce and several of his friends had uh, a drawing class, and the children, Padraig and Liam, and uh, the two girls took turns posing for the, uh, the, the, the group, for his father's group and for his friends. Um, this was not unusual for artists' families to uh, pose. But Padraig found it a great discipline. He said that uh, in having to stay still physically, he could uh, invent stories and having posed for an hour or so, he went up to his room and wrote uh, some of the stories or wrote down what was passing through his mind while he was posing. Well, between all the fast poses, I'm thinking about the next pose. I'm thinking about how I would look from different angles and trying to think of interesting things to do. For longer ones, I'm, wow, I think about anything under the sun, you know. Um, Often I would be, uh, I don't know, planning my day or I actually use that time to kind of think over or mull over what went on during the week and what I want to do and kind of catch up with myself in that way. And I used to meditate while modelling, but that takes quite a lot of concentration and mostly I don't do that now. I never think about things because I would be distracted and then I forget I am there. Like I could be blown away with my thoughts so I wouldn't pay attention too much. But sometimes I do meditate. Like I have some mantras and I do meditation for, my, for myself so it's a good moment of doing it. Because you really get in contact with the silence and what you hear is just a pencil. And it's beautiful. One of the hardest things I think in drawing is to become uh, loose. It's to to be accurate, but to be loose at the same time. Because if you're uh, static in drawing and you're kind of rigid, um, that will come across in your drawing or your painting or your sculpture. Literacy is wonderful, but there are also negative sides to it. And little children of three years of age they draw from the shoulder and then they go to school and the school teaches them to write and keeps them to write from the wrist we here work mostly from the elbow because we don't have enough of big easels you know and, and uh, we don't like standing up so much working but working from the shoulder is the ideal way because you can, you can draw a bigger circle because the, the radius of the hand 
Um, whereas the radius for the wrist, you end up doing small little things. If you want to be a miniaturist, by all means, draw from the wrist. You produce very nice miniatures. But if you want to be an artist in the European tradition, you draw from the shoulder. Um, there's an advantage in drawing from the shoulder in that you keep a distance. You're not working on top of a sheet of paper. You, you, you Visually, you can see better. But little children at the age of three are destroyed by being forced to, to work from the wrist. And I think there are other negative sides of literacy in that literacy teaches you concepts, not images. One famous educator by the name of Krishna Murthy, uh, he was from India, he said, if you tell a child the name of a bird, he will never see that bird again. Now the problem he had in mind was, you have a concept fixed in your mind. You, you think of the concept rather than what you actually see. And the concept is a scientific thing. It's a definition. But reality, the reality of a bird is of a particular individual who may not conform to the definition. The same as individuals differ all the time. And to see the individual is the, the thing of the job of the artist. Mostly in this class in particular, because um, I would know some of the people, then I would go up to them and talk to them during the break and ask them how they're doing and maybe have a look at their work. But I don't want to actually invade people's privacy, so I wouldn't necessarily go around and look through sketchbooks. I might look at the top drawing if it's there on the table, and I wouldn't want to actually pressure anybody into feeling self-conscious because a lot of people who come to the classes are beginners and don't feel sure about letting other people see their work. So I don't actually go around in this class and look at what everybody's doing. Um, when I'm teaching, of course, I would, but um, I was modelling for a friend of mine, and I went around regularly, all of them, to see what they were like and what they were doing. If nothing else, to actually get feedback on how the poses are, because even though I draw myself and I usually have a fair idea of how a pose will look from different angles, I don't always. So I like to look at them just to even get a, get a fair idea of if I'm doing my job well. And sometimes it's really lovely to see what people have done and to see really good drawings coming out. The light in the, in the class uh, is, is, pretty, is pretty bad because it's, 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 it's just like a, a normal room light and it's just surrounding the figure and there's no uh, light or shade on the muscle tones and normally I would draw from uh, a real kind of a kind of a spotlight on the figure which would uh, show up the, the tones and the shape and I would normally sketch uh, by, by shading and, and, and measurements and stuff but in the class you don't get that it's just basically you just have to kind of uh, make up you know um, shades and tones you kind of have to imagine it like you know you'd see the, the, the figure but then you kind of start breaking it down into lines 
and you start measuring it up, you, you start off drawing it in blocks, kind of. You'd look at it in, in more like shapes first, uh, lines, and, and th- basically th- the page ends up in a big kind of, looks like a more, more or less like a mech drawing kind of class than uh, a life drawing. drawing. But um, it's basically shapes and spheres and round, then it kind of just blends in after a while. You can break the body down into very simple volumes. It's a good way to, to learn how to draw the figure because then you can add detail. I think as you, you get into the drawing and you develop more, you realise that good drawings about simplicity. A lot of beginners start off drawing eyelashes and nose hair and you know all the rest of it. But it's not about that. It's trying to get a simplicity yet an accuracy at the same time. I think there's like basics you can be taught, but ultimately it's down to yourself and you have to experiment and try loads of different things and just draw and draw and draw. That's really what it's about. And then it starts to make sense. Study anatomy. Study everything. I mean, architecture as well. It all helps, you know. A lot of architecture is based upon the, the kind of canon or the proportion of the human body. A lot of... Uh, Michelangelo did some amazing architectural buildings and a lot of that's based upon proportions of the human body. So it's, it's all interlocked, you know. It all makes sense. You know, I tried to study anatomy so I can read what's going on underneath a human body, like and I have a skeleton up at the studio and I study that and try to figure out how the bones are actually working in a figure and then you know I broke down a f- it's called an accorche it's like a flayed figure so you understand how muscles work together and the different sort of forms how they appear underneath the skin and the old masters in the renaissance used to train that way I think they used to spend uh, five six years maybe an apprenticeship before they'd be let to create stuff of their own you know you see, drawing is a sort of, like all art, it's a sort of magic, pretending that something two-dimensional is three-dimensional. That's what a Rembrandt drawing does, or a, or a Michelangelo drawing. It suggests a three-dimensional object on a two-dimensional piece of paper, uh, the same as um, a novelist suggests a century in a few pages. It's, 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 there's a magic about all art. One draws one very thickness of a line, then one uses shading, because light invariably coming from above uh, shows darker areas where the sun doesn't or where the light doesn't get the sun in the open air or the artificial light indoors. And by doing that, by using line and and, and shade, one can suggest a third dimension. Uh, that that's all the artist does. The only thing I've found strange about seeing drawings of myself was I saw a drawing someone had did of my back and I didn't know what my own back looked like. And I felt, what would he say? Not cheated, but somehow that they knew something about me that I didn't. So I took a photograph of my back after that to look at what my back looked like because I didn't know, and which I suppose most people don't know. Um... So that's kind of strange. Mostly, I mean, I know what my body looks like, so I'm not going to have huge surprises when I see the drawings. Um, a lot of people, though, apologise to me when I look at their work, um, possibly due to insecurity, but 
I often get people apologising, saying, oh, you don't look that fat, or you don't look that short, or you don't look this, or you don't look that. And, like, they think that I'm going to take it personally, even though it's their work, and they've every right to draw it at the, to the best of their ability, and, you know, I'm not going to go home with a big complex because I saw a huge head in a drawing one day, you know? Um, so that's kind of strange. Uh, what else? There's only two paintings where I was in that were exhibited where it was definitely me with very literal artists and one was in the RHA one year and another was by Oshin Roach which she has I think in the Oriel Gallery and I went to see one of them and that was kind of interesting and it was very much me but I was clothed it's, it wasn't like a new pose Mostly when I look at people's work, I see more of the person than I do of me. Sometimes I see that really good energy that happens when someone gets excited by the pose, and the pose is very me, and it has my character to it, but also their, their own energy and ideas come into it. Um, but when you look at a whole range of drawings done by, say, 12 to 20 people, all of you, every single one of them will be different. And when I see this, it reminds me so much of how th this is how people are, you know. We each have a different view of the person we're looking at, and that goes for character-wise as well. And it's refreshing and reassuring to see that there is so much variety in human nature and in human observation and human character, that each person will look at the same model and draw a different image. And kind of stops you being insecure about either your body or how you are because you know someone can look at you and see you as whatever beautiful or amazing and someone can can look at you and go oh my god what the hell is this woman about and it has nothing to do with you and you have no power over it so it's very freeing in that way so I like looking at images to kind of remind me of that really rare thing about human nature where everybody's different. It's very tiring that at the end of the class you are really tired. So because you like it's not you stand still and you are there but your body is working as if you were doing movement or as if you were dancing. It's it requires the same amount of energy and concentration, especially concentration. You are blocked in one position and even if you change every 5 or 10 minutes you are still still if you tremble, sometimes, I mean, it's normal, you, you tremble sometimes, but, you know, or if you move too much, then people wouldn't draw you well. So you really need to concentrate and you really need to be there. If you try it yourself, you hold still in a certain position for a while, you'll realise what your body is doing to hold that position, what muscles you're using, because they'll get sore. So... 
as you get used to modeling, you'll know in advance what kind of poses you can hold for how long. So, for instance, with me, I can stand with one leg in the air for a minute, but I wouldn't do it for ten. No way. Um, to be, to give you an example of something that you would think would look comfortable was would be to stand with your hand on your hip. And I remember thinking, oh, that, that, that could be easy for half an hour, and then discovering, no, it was not easy for half an hour. So basically, whatever muscle you're using to hold your body in that position, you're using it and you feel it and you can feel the tension and uh, the soreness and it can be painful if you're using your muscles for too long, like scrubbing a floor, using your arm muscle over and over and over again, doing the same thing. It's exactly like that, that kind of pain that you get. And you need to kind of be used to your body a little bit and to what it can do and can't do. Mentally, is a, it's kind of relaxation because you don't think. You really don't think. From the class, you really feel respected and you feel it's, um, it's, an, it's, it's an anatomic way of looking at body and it's, or it's a painter way of looking at body. And actually, I don't even remember I'm naked <laughs> because I feel so comfortable. I don't even remember I'm naked because I feel so protected and because the eyes that are looking at me are really studying a human body. So it's kind of, I represent the human female body and, and it's nice. And, uh, there's nothing to be you know, ashamed or if you're shy, your shyness go away because then it's like being dressed. You know, it's, I'm not using my body, I am giving the image of my body. So it's, it's very nice. Depending on the temperature of the room, I would either finish it feeling relaxed or tense and wanting to move. Um, I find that if it's cold, then my muscles tense up and I'm uncomfortable. So then I kind of want to get going, you know, and change. But if it's warm, then I tend to be more relaxed and mellow. And if I haven't got a million things going on in my head, I can sometimes get very relaxed. Mostly I'm not sore after a two-hour class uh, because I'm used to my body and I pick poses that I can hold. Usually if I've done well, then I feel really good, actually. And if there's a good atmosphere in the class and I know people have, like, you know, got some good work out of it, then I feel really good. It's like, yes, did a good job. Days when I'm not very happy is when I had a hard time thinking of poses or when I don't feel I really did my best, where you're just kind of going... Did I do this pose before? And then you think, oh shit, I did actually. Mostly it's good, mostly it's good. I go in, I work hard and um, I help people learn how to draw and it's, it's appreciated, which is nice. Okay, that's it, thank you. And um, if you'd like to pay, there's um, a purple scarf over there that you can put your money on. And I'll see you next week. Thank you. You're welcome.
Thank you.